If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to open up to the New Testament in the book of Luke with me. Luke chapter 17. And I want to preach just for a few moments today on the power of thanks. The power of thanks. I want to read just a few verses from Luke 17, beginning with verse 11. And it says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. Somebody say thanks. And he was a Samaritan. That's important. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Or in other words, your faith has made you whole, complete. Turn to somebody and tell them on your left and your right, there is power in thanks. There's power in giving thanks today. Amen. It seems today, everywhere you look and places you go, people don't seem oftentimes to be grateful for the blessings they receive. And our text that I just read is a very prime example of this. And I believe today we need to be so possessed with the spirit of gratitude and thanksgiving because in an atmosphere of gratitude, according to the word, we're made whole. Whole. On his way to the city of Jerusalem, Jesus went through Samaria. We learned that Samaria is located about 45 miles outside of Jerusalem. And back during that day, the Jews of that day would avoid Samaria because they hated the Samaritans. And to give you a little background on the reason why, there were 12 tribes of Israel. They were divided into two groups at one point. Ten of the tribes went one way. Two of the tribes went the other way. The ten tribes that parted made Samaria their capital, and the other two made Jerusalem theirs. In Samaria, the ten tribes began to backslide. They began to turn their back on God. They began to mix up in worshiping idols with worshiping Jehovah. As a result, they became a backslidden people. Then they began to marry outside of their faith to begin to marry unbelievers. They, uh, they, they got hooked up with the wrong crowd, so to speak. The Samaritans were then a product of this mixing and, and the very strict religious Jews hated them for it. They would absolutely have nothing to do with them. The problem the Jews had with the Samaritans was basically was a race problem. They despised them for this. The, the, the religious Jews were very spiritual and religious. They, they read their word. They rehearsed the word. They prayed daily. But when it came down to treating people fair and right and dealing with people the way Jesus would, their religion did not impact them. 
even today, right now, there are many who are very religious, but their religion only touches only certain parts of their lives. And it blows my mind today. It's amazing how spiritual somebody can be in one walk or one area of their life, but that spirituality, that relationship with the Lord never spills over into another area of their life. Some can be very spiritual in this area, but in another area they have wickedness in their heart. But I've come to tell you the Word of God should affect change in all parts of our life. Every area of our life should be affected by the Lord, by, by the Word of God, not just select parts. And Jesus goes into Samaria, and I always remember this about him, the people that the society, the people that others write off are the people that Jesus has on his mind. Another thing I like about him is that he always goes to places where he felt the Holy Ghost leading him to go. He knew his responsibility to, was to go into the world and to preach the gospel. And we often put up walls like the religious Jews do. We'll separate ourselves from people. But Jesus never did put up walls. He did not hide from people. He went to people that needed him. No matter their background. No matter their race. No matter if they were rich or poor. No matter if they agreed with him or not. And that's what I like about Jesus where the religious world said you better not go there you better not associate with them he went anyways because he was always looking to break the rules and rock the boat Jesus never played it safe and I like that about him unlike Jesus though sometimes you and I want to play it safe we want our lives programmed we don't ever want to live in a risky way for Jesus. We're afraid, and when God says, I want you to do this or do that, we freeze. Afraid to walk by faith and not by sight. But the Bible says if Jesus tells you and I to do something, we should simply do it. Well, I don't know where the money's going to come from, but do it anyhow. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't understand how it's going to all come together. Just do it anyhow. I don't understand this part of it, Pastor, but I'm just going to step out because Jesus said do it. I'm going to activate my faith and do it anyhow. We need more people like that today. We need more churches like that today who are not afraid to walk by faith and not what things look like today. What is faith? Well, we're told in the Word of God it's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In other words, if you need to see it, you'll never move into the realm of faith because the realm of faith will push you into waters that are over your head. It'll push you into the risky areas of life, but it's in those areas that you go into where you totally have to sell out and rely on God. But my friend, that's where you always find the glory of God. God and the mighty power of God. We got to get out and go where God says go. And in this text, we find Jesus breaking man-made rules and going to Samaria. And when he gets there, there's ten lepers waiting on him. Ten men whose futures were dependent upon Jesus' visit to their town. So Jesus enters into the city 
He goes into a certain section of that city called a quarantined area. Anybody know about quarantine these days? <laughs> Come on, somebody. I think we've all been in quarantine over the last couple of years at some point or another. We can identify with this text. But this was different. It was a leper colony. And I, I know today we want to treat others like leper when you mention COVID. Don't get close to me. Stay away. <laughs> I've had a little sickness myself this week. It's not COVID. I, it's not COVID. Okay, I'm okay. <laughs> but I like what, this about Jesus. He enters into our mess. Other people would have gone all the way around that quarantined area, that, that, that leper colony. They would have gotten as far away from that area as they could. I'm not going there. I'm not even going to speak to them. Oh, I might stand outside of the fence and wave at them, but I'm not getting too close to their mess. I'm going to stay out here in the safe zone. where the where I'm on, I don't want to go into where the problem is, but nobody today can get into the mess in your life. Nobody else can touch you like Jesus. And when he gets there, Jesus Jesus can deal with your mess. Anybody thankful that Jesus has ever at one time or another walked right into your mess unafraid to get involved with what was going on? I'm thankful today. When Jesus entered in, the 10 men got excited. The law in Leviticus 13 would not allow them to touch him or even to get even within a certain number of paces to him. So what did they do? They couldn't touch him. They couldn't get close. But the Bible says they begin to cry out to him with a loud voice. And I believe this is an important part of this story. Because what they said to Jesus was the key to getting them out of their mess. They couldn't touch him physically, but they were delivered through their mouths. Come on, somebody. Leprosy had eaten away their noses, their fingers, and their toes. They had been isolated and rejected. They had a stench and a smell about them. They had leprosy about them, but they still had the ability to speak with their mouths, and so it is with you and I today. We may be in a mess ourselves, but I'm come to tell somebody you're gonna be delivered by your mouth and what you say out of that mouth. You may not have much going for you. You may be isolated. You may be rejected and alone. You may be in an absolute mess and chaos, but if you'll learn, how to speak faith you can be delivered because the power of life and death are still in the tongue does anybody believe what I'm preaching right here hallelujah hallelujah when you go to a doctor what do they tell you to do sometimes stick out your tongue ah they poke that stick in there and they're looking. I've always wondered what they're looking for. But they're examining your tongue. And I'm afraid if the Lord told some of us to stick our tongue out, what would he find? Negativity, murmuring, complaining, gossiping, idle talk, defeat talk, woe is me talk. Come on, we need some tongues to be healed up in the name of Jesus. Come on. Oh, come on. We got to start talking faith. We got to start speaking victory. We got to start talking like we're winning. The devil, the devil, when he hears us talking, losing, that's when he takes the advantage. We got to speak victory. The lepers didn't come to Jesus and cry out, oh, we're pitiful, woe is me. Nothing good's ever going to happen to me. 
They didn't start complaining and asking Jesus why was he not there when the first spot of leprosy broke out on their body. They didn't ask why have you waited until our ears have been, have been eaten off by this disease and our limbs are, are, are gone. Why, Lord? No, instead, they begin to create an atmosphere of faith with the words they had begun to speak. Come on. The first, the first words they said to Tim were two words that are powerful. They said, Jesus, Master. Master, Jesus, Master. Jesus means he who saves and Master means a commander, the one who is in charge. Listen to the leper's faith as they begin to speak it with their mouth. In other words, they were saying, we don't have toes, our noses are gone, our ears have been eaten off, we're covered from head to toe in these leprosy spots, our bodies stink, nobody wants to have anything to do with us but Jesus, the one who's in charge, my master, my commander, the one who's on the throne in control of this mess I'm in. We are crying out to you today. Like a lot of you, some of you, I was raised in the Pentecostal church all my life. I've been in churches where they didn't have nice padded chairs and padded pews. I've been in churches where they had upright pianos, missing pedals and keys, strings missing, no air conditioner, no heat, mix-max chairs. I've been into a church where a cat fell through the ceiling. They didn't have a lot. <laughs> they didn't. We're blessed today. We're blessed. But some things that they taught me back then, <laughs> they stuck with me is when they went to that altar and they didn't know Greek or Hebrew and they didn't know a lot of fancy theology, but they taught me how to pray by example. And I remember back in the day, just a little kid, and the grandmas and the granddads of the church and brothers and sisters that I'll never forget taught me to pray by their example. And, and some of them would just say, just say, Jesus. Just say Jesus, and it pat me on. Just say Jesus. That has come in so beneficial to me over my life because I found myself in moments like, maybe not like just like the lepers, but I found myself in messy situations, and I didn't even know how to pray. I didn't know what to say. But I'd remember some little grandma standing behind me at an old-fashioned altar. Just, just say Jesus. Just, just say, gee, if you just say Jesus, and I've learned through times in my life when nothing else can describe what I'm feeling and what I'm going through, and nobody else is walking in my shoes but me. I've learned that if I can just somehow, some way, say Jesus, and that say, say it again, Jeff, say it again, say it again. Come on, say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I learned that there's power in the name of Jesus, and you've got to understand it. There is is power. There is a way out in the name. There is healing in the name of. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. Master, commander, have mercy upon us. These ten lepers, they were not self-righteous and, and dignified and full of pride, but they came humbly. They said, have mercy on us. Mercy means I messed up, but give me another chance. I failed, but give me another shot. Somebody say mercy. 
Thank God for mercy today. When Jesus saw the lepers, he said to them, notice he didn't pray for them. He didn't lay hands on them. He didn't give them three steps to receive their miracle. He said these words, go show yourself to the priest. Why? Because in Leviticus 13, the law said, if a person shows signs of being cured of leprosy and he wants a bill of cleansing, he must go to the priest. And the priest would put him through a time of purification. And if he was truly cured, he could go back to his family and be readmitted to society. So Jesus looked at these lepers, at these men who showed no physical signs of healing yet, who are still eaten up with leprosy from head to toe, and he called those things that were not as though they were, and he said, go now and show yourselves to the priest, the one who can give you the, the, the bill of cleansing that can allow you to get, go back home to your family and your friends. These ten lepers probably thought at that moment, are you kidding me? We don't look healed. We don't feel healed. We still feel sick. We look sick. We were not healed. But faith says, I believe even though I cannot see. I believe even though I don't feel. I believe even though I'm not seeing signs yet. And I'm going to move on the word of God, his word alone. And my focus is going to be on what thus says the Lord, not on what I see or what I feel and as the lepers went as they marched on the Bible says they were healed they were healed amen I got to thinking you know what there had to at least be one in that group of ten who was a whiner and a complainer you know it had to be one had to be one who was the negative one in the bunch and I can see them as they're walking down the block to go see the priest, that one at least, this is crazy. I still have leprosy. That preacher got in the flesh and just got excited. Yeah, it was a good service. We, we got caught up in that music and he just said a word and it wasn't of God. We've been walking to show ourselves to the priest and nothing's happened. But when they got to about the third block, all of a sudden, one of them looks down and that foot that had three toes on it now has all five again. And one of them feels something and reaches up and that ear that was almost totally gone from has come back in full. And all of a sudden, they begin to run. And in particular, that one begins to run. And I believe he looks back over his shoulder and he begins to yell and he says, you can complain, you can whine if you want to, but something indeed is happening to my body. And a little further, as he begins to run on further, he is healed from the waist up. And by the time the others get to the priest, every one of them has been healed and cleansed. I've come to tell somebody here today, you may not have the fullness of the promise yet but I need to tell you to keep on marching I need to tell you to keep on going if God said he was going to do it my friend he's going to do it so keep on moving in faith whether you feel it or not whether you see it happening or not keep on going as you go as you start working as you start walking in obedience the healing or the victory will come and that's faith 
But now we get to what I really want to hammer in on as we go into Thanksgiving week here. We come to a disturbing part of this story because one, only one of those ten, one of the ten lepers who Jesus healed came back to say thank you. Only one. You begin to think, Lord, does this mean that one out of ten Christians truly love you? Does one in ten just want the blesser and not just the blessing? Will one out of ten really worship you while others just sit and watch what happens? I've learned over the years that not everybody in church are there with an attitude of worship and gratefulness. Their attitude is usually, I'm here, and if you can move me, move me. If you can touch me, touch me. It's probably fair to say one out of ten will be a true worshiper. Nine out of ten don't. If people, though, could ever grasp and get a hold and understand the value of a gift, then they would respond with gratitude. If they don't understand its value, then they don't respond as they should. If I came out and give you a beautiful, huge diamond and you did not know the value of it, you might toss it in the trash can. And there's a lot of people today who don't respond properly to God because they don't perceive the value of what all the Lord has done in their life. I don't know about you, but I get a little tired of hearing people say, I gave up money and I gave up this career and I gave up my job, I gave up fame. Somebody said, I could be playing an instrument on a large-scale band or singing in this group. I gave up this for Jesus. No, my friend, you didn't give up nothing. You were headed to hell. And what, really, what you really gave up was death, guilt, and condemnation. And what did you get in return? Eternal life that we should value. And that's why we should value the gift of Jesus. Jesus is the one who gave up something for us. And in this story, one leper understood and got a hold of the value of what he had just received. He saw what had happened to him. He saw what the Lord had done for him and it hit him. Look what the Lord has done for me. And when he got it, he became so aware of the miracle that had just happened, it affected the way that he responded and acted. And when you and I ever get a hold of what the Lord has done for us, nobody will ever have to again pump and prime you and cheerlead you to lift your hands to an almighty God, to our creator, to our, our protector, to our provider today, to worship him and thank him. Nobody will ever have to hope that you praise God, that you'll have to hope you come to church with an attitude of gratitude or a spirit of thankfulness in your heart and your mouth because if you'll ever get a hold of what God has truly done for you, you will be like that former leper. You'll come to Jesus and cry, the Bible says, with a loud voice. Loud means mega. He cried with a mega voice. Thank you, Jesus. If folks want to be quiet and sit in their corner, that's their choice. 
But oftentimes people don't cry out with a loud voice because I'm too dignified. I have this position at my company or in, in this city. People know me. But I praise him and I shout unto him. I'll cry, I'll dance. Because I seen what he's done in my life. How he's changed my life. I don't deserve anything he's done for me. I don't deserve to be standing before you today. We're all born as sinners. And if it had not been for the Lord, where would we be? He, he pulled some of you out of the muck and the mire of sin. He's pulled some of you out. You almost, you almost committed suicide. You almost took the overdose. You almost pulled the trigger. You almost died in that car accident. You almost flatlined in that ER. But God, in His mercy, in His grace, when you thought you'd never find a wife or a husband, God, when you thought you'd never have children, When you thought you would never able to be able to sleep at night again because of all the fear and anxiety, God. That's why I act like I do sometimes. Because I found out what he did for me. And I'm not ashamed of him anymore. I don't care what anybody thinks. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm not saying that proudful. I'm humble before you today because I know who my Redeemer is. I know who my source is today. And if everything came crashing down today, I'd still be okay because I've got Him and He is mine. Anybody thankful for the Lord today? <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 And I'm not saying you got to dance like me. You surely won't dance like me because I can't dance. You don't have to scream like me and get red in the face. I watched one of my, I don't like to watch me on video. I don't like to hear me sing, preach, see myself in a picture. I don't. But I clicked on one of these sermons one day and I saw how red face with the veins bulging in my neck. Oh my goodness, that's you. You look mean and mad. You're going to scare everybody off. I can't help it. He's been too, I'm going to give him my all. Amen. I'm going to give him my all. He's, I thank God for what he's done, where he's brought me from. Anybody thankful today? We don't deserve what we've got today. We could be somewhere else. But God has blessed you and I today. and We've got so much to praise him for. I, can anybody just, let's take a praise break as the worship team come. Can we take a, I've got just two more minutes. Can we take a praise break right here before we go any further? And everybody don't have to. But if anybody understands the value of what Jesus has done for you, I wish somebody would open your mouths like the leper with a loud voice and cry out to God with a voice of thanksgiving and praise. Come on, somebody. He deserves the glory today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
I thank you, Lord. If it had not been you on my side, where would I be? Thank you, Lord. Don't ever let me not come back and say thank you. Don't ever let me be like the other nine and just keep on going my way without stopping to say thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful, Lord. You didn't have to do that, but you did. Somebody just lift your hands. I feel the Lord in this place right now. Oh, come on, somebody thank you. It's been a long time since somebody's really thanked him for what he's done for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't take you long. If you'll just start thanking him, it'll just start flowing. Lord, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for saving me, redeeming me. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. Thank you for the place we live. Clothes on our back. Thank you for a car to get in and drive. Thank you for food to eat. Thank you for a good church to go to and an awesome church family to be with. Thank you, Lord, for peace and joy. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you that you're moving in our church. Thank you. It's not dead, but alive. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.